Good morning. How are you? She gets it from her mama. Glad y'all are here today. Thank you, band. Thank you, dance team. Thank you for serving this morning. Before we jump in, I want to uh, thank everyone that served at Parables at the Park this week or gave to Parables at the Park this week. Man, it was such a fun time being with our community. There were a ton of people there. Uh, some of y'all kind of acted immature and were throwing ice at people and that kind of thing, but um, I expect to see you at the altar at the end of the service, whoever you were. Um, but man, I was, I was blessed by this week. And EC, are you in here? EC? EC led that charge, and uh, he did a really... really, really good job, and he likes for us to clap for him. So uh, there you go. This morning, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 4, continuing our series called Free from the book of Galatians. If you want to turn to Galatians 4, starting in verse 8 today, we're going to finish that chapter. The title of the message this morning is From Slavery to Sonship, and one of, the, one of the main things I want for you to hear communicated today is that sometimes freedom is hard. Like we don't, we don't necessarily think of it like that. We think of freedom as being awesome. Uh, but when, when we brought Judd home, Judd had lived in an environment where he was hemmed in, he was gated in a room, he was locked in this gate, and, and all he had experienced was concrete and fences. And when we brought him home, he was, he was scared of almost everything. Like when he saw carpet for the first time, he, he wouldn't step on the carpet. And when he saw grass in our yard or when he saw our big swing set, like you expect a person that's been hemmed in their whole life to run and play and be free and embrace freedom. But sometimes freedom is hard when you've been enslaved. Like sometimes freedom doesn't come natural to a person who was a former slave. And it's, it's true for us in our spiritual slavery and freedom also. Like Jesus sets us free, but we're always drawn back to the chains. And today there's, there's really nothing new that we're going to talk about this morning. We've, we've actually hit most of this, and I'm going to go ahead and be honest with you, the verbiage in the scripture this morning is kind of difficult. You're going to need to think with me, like you're going to need to participate by listening and thinking and, and that kind of thing because the verbiage is kind of tough in this scripture, but it's so critical that we get it. There's a reason why Paul reviews this in this passage because it's important. And today I want to organize my thoughts around three prayers. These are the observations and the applications, uh, but 
I want you to hear me say that you cannot do any of these things apart from God's help. So we can't, we can't approach this like, well, I'm going to go home and do this. We need to approach this like, Jesus, I need your help in doing this, and if I don't get your help, I can't do it. Jesus, please help me with this. So I'm going to organize the, the message around three prayers. And that's it. That is the observation. That is the application. So if you're going to write notes, the three prayers are, are what you need to write, most importantly. This is a prayer for us individually. This is a prayer. These are prayers for us as a congregation. The first thing that I want you to see from this passage this morning, uh, the first prayer I want you to take from this passage this morning is, Jesus, help us understand how to embrace and stay in your freedom. Jesus, help us understand how to embrace and stay in your freedom. We're going to read verses 8 through 11, and then we're going to skip 10 verses and jump to verse 21. We're going to read those also. So start with me in verse 8. But in the past, since you didn't know God, you were enslaved to things that by nature are not God's. But now, since you know God, or rather have, been, have become known by God, I love that part. Paul said at first, since you know God now, and then he kind of switched gears and said, it's probably better phrased that now you're known by God. Man, that's a big deal. How can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elements do you want to be enslaved to them all over again? You are observing special days, months, seasons, and years. I am fearful for you that perhaps my labor for you has been wasted. Skip down to verse 21 with me. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, don't you hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave and the other by a free woman. But the one by the slave was born as a result of the flesh, while the one by the free woman was born through promise. These things are being, ta are being taken figuratively, for the women represent two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai and bears children into slavery. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar represents Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for, he is, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother, for it is written, Rejoice, childless woman, unable to give birth, burst into song and shout, You who are not in labor, for the children of the desolate woman will be many, more numerous than the one than those of the one who has a husband. Now you too, brothers and sisters, just like Isaac, are children of promise, but just as then the child born as a result of the flesh persecuted the one born as a result of the Spirit, so also now. But what does the Scripture say? Drive out the slave and her son, for the son of the slave will neither be a co-heir with the son of the free woman. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of a slave, but of the free woman. Now, I told you that, that some of this verbiage this morning is kind of compli complicated, and that, that doesn't read just super easily today. But I think we can break it down and look at it, and it can be critical uh, in our walk with the Lord Jesus. This is, this is what Paul is saying today. There, there are two categories that people live in. 
there is this elementary or elemental um, category. And, you know, the, the, these Galatians that are now trusting the Lord, who are being fooled by the Judaizers, they were once pagans. Like, they had no, they had these false gods. And that's what he's, uh, that's what he's talking about to him. He said, there, there was once a time where you served all these different gods, and, and none of them did you any good because they're all fake. And that's paganism. It's, it's worshiping um, a false god. And then what happened is they, they got over here into this category, which is Jesus. There's this elemental category that is, it's, you can think of it as surface, um, immature Christianity or immature religion. And this, this category over here called Jesus is extremely deep. Like you don't get to the bottom of this category. He's too deep. So, so they started over here in paganism, and they got over here with Jesus, and that, that made them extra deep, just staying with Jesus. But, but sometimes what happens is we get, we get over here with Jesus, and we start going deep, and then, and then we look up, and people have come back over here to this elemental surface-type religion. And I, I wonder why sometimes. Sometimes they pick up their old chains of paganism, but sometimes they pick up new chains of religion. And that's what these, these Galatians had done. They started in paganism. They were worshiping false gods. They moved over here. Jesus saved them. It got deep really quick. And then you look up and they've moved back up here, a bit back over here, and they've picked up brand new chains. And that's what Paul's talking to him about. He's saying, guys, I came to you and I offered you Jesus, and that is all you need. That is all you need to carry is Jesus. You need to stay with Jesus. But they went back and they picked up new chains. And I bet, y'all, I bet when they, when they saw these Judaizers, they said, man, those guys are really religious. Like, we're over here just huddling up with Jesus, letting Jesus tell us everything. But, man, these guys are deep. They're talking about circumcision and feasts and calendars. That's so awesome. Let's get back over here. But it had the opposite effect. They went back shallow. And, y'all, that's what we do in our walk with Jesus. And I've thought about this. Like, like, why does this happen? Why do people move to Jesus? And you can tell that Jesus has really affected their lives. And then you look up and they've moved back over, either back into their paganism or back into a new chain of religion. Y'all seen people do that before? Like, there's times where I've seen somebody who was chained up in crazy types of sin they encounter and embrace Jesus and then I look up and they're like man you ought to wear a suit to church and it's like brother I, I know what you've been doing like how'd you get so cool and so good that you messed up about somebody wearing a suit they didn't go deeper with God. They got shallower. And I thought about why that happens. And all y'all know that I'm a farmer. I'm a better farmer than a preacher, I promise. 
Does anybody, well, just, just raise your hand if you know what I mean when I say picking up chunks. Yeah. Yeah, y'all know what I mean. Um, it's awful. But let me, let me explain to you what that is. When you clear new ground, there's all, this, there's all this brush, there's trees, there's vines, and you come out there with an excavator and you, you clear the new ground. Like you take all that stuff off the top, you burn it, you haul it off, and it's like this big change. And like everybody can see that something's changed. You've cleared new ground. It was grown up, it was awful looking, and, 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 and you've taken that that's off the surface and it's gone. Everybody knows it's gone. You know it's gone and the people driving by knows it's gone. But then... You, you got to put it into cultivation. So what we did with new ground is we had this old steel heavy-duty disc and an old tractor because we didn't want to get stobs in the tires and all that kind of thing. And we would run it across that new ground. And when that ground would be cultivated, it brought stuff to the surface called chunks. And that's when it, that's when it got kind of tough because you don't use an excavator to pick up chunks. You use your hands and your backs. And most of the time, it's the lowest dude on the totem pole. I stayed there for like 12 years. But you go out there and, and, you know, people that are driving by, they don't see the chunks, but you see the chunks and the chunks got to go. And so you get out there, and man, it's killer. You're, you're up and down all day, and some of them are big chunks, some of them are small chunks. You're throwing them on a trailer. You got to get rid of the chunks. You're picking up chunks, and you look up, and man, all the chunks are gone. And it's like, praise the Lord, all the chunks are gone. And then you run a tractor across it again, and you pull an implement across it again, and guess what? Chunks! Like, what the heck? I thought I got all the chunks. But when you cultivate the ground, there's more chunks that come to the surface. And this does not last for a week or two. This goes on for years. Like 10 years later, you'll be running a field cultivator across this ground that you cleared 10 years ago, and your crumbler baskets in the back of the cultivator will stop because you've got an old crooked chunk running up through them. And this is what it's like in our relationship with Jesus. He comes in and he, he gives us salvation and it's clear on the surface and everybody sees it, but then Jesus starts cultivating. And what we found out is what was on the surface was being fed by what's under the surface. And when he cultivates, chunks come up and you got to deal with the chunks you got to deal with the chunks. And when you, when you get that first load of chunks out of the way and you're like, whoo, Jesus is done with me. He cultivates again and there's some new chunks. And then like 15 years later, you've been chicken, picking up, chicken up punks, picking up chunks every year for like 15 years. You'd be thinking chicken up punks when you're picking up chunks. And it's like, man, I thought we had dealt with all of this. But Jesus reveals new chunks in our lives.
And, and, and when we cleared new ground on the farm and we looked at it, we had to say, look, are, are we going to, is it worth it to go out here and pick up chunks? Because we knew the chunk, we had done this before and we knew the chunks were coming. But if you don't know the chunks are coming, sometimes you can, you can see that new ground. Oh, man, it's a beautiful feeling. The ground's cleared on the surface. This is awesome. And then Jesus cultivates, and you look, and you're like, oh. I didn't know that, you know, Jesus didn't just want me to stop cheating on my wife. Jesus wanted to deal with my lust. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't know Jesus, have you ever heard anybody say, I think I'll go to heaven because I've never murdered anybody. Jesus doesn't want to just deal with murder. He wants to deal with anger and rage and racism and hatreds and all the sorts that are under the murder. You know what I'm saying? But when we see all the chunks revealed, we got to look up and we got to say, is it worth it? Is it? Because this is where the labor starts. Is it worth it? And sometimes, if we're not careful, we'll say, I, I think I want to get back up to the surface. Like Jesus went deep on me. Jesus started dealing with my pride. I think I want to get back up to the surface. Let's talk about whether women should wear dresses to church. I like that. Don't deal with my pride. I think women ought to wear dresses to church. You know why? Because that's surface. And it's not dealing with the deep issue of my pride. Jesus says, um, you know what? You, uh, you've been gossiping a lot lately. been gossiping and it does not look like me you're gonna have to deal with that gossip you're gonna have to pick that chunk up hmm you know what I think we ought to have a lot of committees at church because that's surface when Jesus is trying to be deep with us it's like we have this lust distraction when Jesus starts dealing with the deep things of our soul. It's like we're saying, oh my goodness, he's cultivating again. He's revealing again. I need to get back to the surface things where it doesn't bother me. Let me have this conversation because that's surface and it distracts me from the deep things that Jesus is doing in my soul. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is a danger, a major danger for us. When Jesus starts dealing with stuff, sometimes we want to get out of that conversation, so get us in a new religious one. Sometimes it's, let me run back to my chemicals to distract me from what Jesus is telling me about. That's paganism. That's running back to the old chains. But sometimes it's, hey, man, let's, let's pick up a new chain. Let's pick up a new chain. Let's, let's talk about denominational politics. 
You know why? Because Jesus don't give a rip about that. Jesus don't give a flying rip about that. So he's not going to deal with me in that. And a lot of times I run from that deep cultivation of the soul. That's why our prayer has to be, Jesus, help me embrace and stay in your freedom. You're not meant to run to Jesus and go deeper. I hear that a lot. I want to go deeper with God. You stick with Jesus. He'll take you as deep as you want. There's a second thing about this. These two people, a person that is digging deep with Jesus and a person that is surrendered to this elemental type of Christianity, this surface Christianity, these two people can rarely get each other. We need to pray for us to embrace and stay in Jesus' freedom to guard and give unity within the body because these two people together cannot have unity. Like, th- think of it this way. Some of your Bibles in chapter 4, verse 3, if, if you have an ESV, it says the weak and elementary practices of the world. Uh, he doesn't mean like elementary school, but since we're going back to school, we'll, do, we'll say that. We'll act like he does. Uh, we went up to meet Judd's teacher the other day at the primary school, and when you walk down the halls of the primary school, there are these uh, taped lines on the floor. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And if you, if you go up there and uh, you have lunch with your kid and they're walking down the hall or something, they're walking in a straight line. Now, now some kids are like, you know, touching the walls, but teachers are miracle workers. They somehow get all these kids to walk on these lines. And sometimes you'll see them like this right here, walking, walking up and down the lines. And it's silent in there, like nobody's talking to anybody, and I don't know how they do it. Like, we've got three kids. And sometimes I have to train Beth, so I really, I've got four. (laughs) But I cannot get Beth to walk down the line, you know. So you you have these teachers that that are teaching our kids, and they need this structure, right? Like, they need... um, these teachers to teach them this structure, obedience, and, and what they're supposed to be doing, because we can't teach them obedience, obviously. But anyways, what if you showed up to work tomorrow? Check this out. What if you showed up to work tomorrow, and boss man goes, all right, we got a new policy. I have taped this line down through here. And while we walk to the job site, I want you to hold your finger over your lips and nobody say a word. And we're going to walk this line to the job site in single file. And then when we get to work, no talking, none of that. You would look up and say, brother, what? Huh? Like, man, I ain't doing that. I'm fixing to walk to the job, and I'm going to do my job, and I'm going to talk to whoever I want to talk to because you might be my boss, but you don't own me, right? 
Paul paints this picture between Abraham's two women, Hagar and Sarah, and he says this this woman gave birth to, to slaves, and this woman gave birth to children of promise. And the people that live in the promise and the people that live in slavery for the rest of their lives were, were at odds with each other. And it's the same way with us when we're living in slavery and when we're living in freedom, it puts us at odds with each other. We don't get one another. We don't, we don't understand one another. Like, there's, there's some people that are, that are living this life of, of Jesus and it's taking them deep and it's revealing their pride and, and it's, it's giving them this heart for the fatherless around the world. It's giving them this heart for the prostitutes across the street and it's giving them this heart for the drug dealer on the other side of town and it's giving them this heart for the stripper at the club and, and, and they're, they're like, Jesus, help us show them that there are, there's a way that... Uh, there's this God-man that can give them purpose. And there's another crowd that's offended that I just said the word stripper. You know what I'm saying? And those two people, it's really, really difficult for them to be family with one another. Because uh, the Jesus people that are going deep, they're saying, man, you sat through all those sermons, you sat through all those Bible studies, you read your Bible daily, and you walked away with, dude shouldn't have long hair? Like, that's what you got? Because I didn't, I didn't read that. And these people over here are saying, oh my goodness, he just said stripper. In church? Do you, do you see what I mean? These two people are going to clash. It's just like Jesus and the Pharisees. The Pharisees come to Jesus and they're like, hey, your disciples didn't wash their hands. And Jesus is like, man, you done read the whole Old Testament and that's what you got? The whole Old Testament was pointing to me and you got, don't, you supposed to wash your hands? Something you can see on a poster in the bathroom? Yeah, wash your hands. But the Old Testament was pointing to me. For the sake of our unity as a family, all of us need to leave this 100% alone and jump in with both feet under the name of Jesus, surrendering to him. Jesus, tell us what you want, and we will do it. Reveal what you need to reveal, and we need to stay there. And if some of us won't, we will never be unified. Will you please pray? Get us there and keep us there, King Jesus. Prayer number two. The next two aren't that long. Jesus, help us live your word when it's not easy or popular. Verses 12 through 16 of chapter 4. I beg you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I also became like you. You have not wronged me. You know that previously I preached the gospel to you because of a weakness of the flesh. You did not despise or reject me, though my physical 
physical condition was a trial for you. On the contrary, you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. Where then is your blessing? For I testify to you that if possible, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. So then have I become your enemy because I told you the truth. And that's the question I want us to focus on. So then have I become your enemy because I told you the truth. And the prayer is, Jesus, help us live your word when it's not easy or popular. You need to understand that Paul was saying this to these people, and it was not a popular stance. They did not convince, the Judaizers did not convince the Galatians to get circumcised from afar. They had built a relationship with them. This was their friends. It had to have been. You can't tell me that some dude over here says you need to get circumcised, and everybody just starts lining up. Baloney. I'm running. You got issues. Paul took an unpopular stance. And y'all, here's I know I know that some of this can be hurtful, and I don't I don't say it to be hurtful. I say it because it hurts me to watch it. But sometimes, you know, we live in this Bible Belt culture and sometimes we have been overexposed to church, church life. And, and the truth is sometimes Jesus, a lot of times Jesus wants to speak to the church and church life and church people. And if we've been overexposed, sometimes we will say, well, I know that's not Jesus because I believe this. And we shut down Jesus before we hear his words because we've heard it taught our whole lives. And y'all, when you're in the Bible belt and you have to take stances that are difficult You got to know that it's going to earn you labels. People are going to say stuff about you that aren't true. If you're new to the bridge this morning, I want you to know that we love everybody. We believe that it's possible to disagree with somebody and still love them. Jesus uh, rarely agrees with me and somehow he still loves me and that's who I follow. So like if you're uncomfortable with sinners walking in the door, it's probably gonna be uncomfortable for you here. We're, we're set up to do that. That's who we're gonna be. And sometimes we have to take stances um, that speak against what people have always believed because they come from the scripture. And this is where we're going to stand. We're going to continue to stand on the scripture. Jesus is going to inform all we do. It's going it's to be what we strive to do. Everything that Jesus says, that's what we're going to strive to do. But it can land you in an unpopular position. If you're not, if you're not aware of that, if you're not... Um, 
If you're not prepared for that, it can cause you to fall away. If you don't have Jesus' help in that, you can't take it. You're not big enough. But this is... This is what's so important, and I want you to hear from this prayer. A biblical literacy that does not allow Jesus to say what he says and be who he is is just as dangerous or more dangerous than biblical illiteracy. Like I hear people talking about, you know, people don't know the Bible anymore. And that's bad and that's dangerous and I want them to know the Bible. But what's just as dangerous is people that know the Bible so well they can't let Jesus speak to them. Like they know all the scripture, they know all the churchy things to say, but Jesus hasn't gotten his way in their soul in the past 30 years. That's no less dangerous than a person who doesn't know the Bible. So we have to be sure when we stand on issues, when we take a stand, it's exactly where Jesus stands. Not where we've always stood, not where these people that we respect stand, not where mom and daddy stood or where my grandma stood. Where does Jesus stand? That's the spot we're going to stand. And friends, I know that that sometimes is like a little bit tough to swallow. I get that. But it's tough for me to swallow when I see people more passionate about old beliefs or, or this, this stance or this stance than I see them passionate about their king. We need Jesus' help. Have I become your enemy because I told you the truth? We can't do it by ourselves. It's impossible. We need to pray for that to be granted to us by our daddy. Last prayer. Jesus, give us passion to be like you and help others do the same. Verse 17. They court you eagerly, but not for good. They want to exclude you from me so that you would pursue them. But it is always good to be pursued in a good manner, and not just when I'm with you. My children, I'm against, I'm again suffering labor pains for you until Christ is formed in you. I would like to be with you right now and change my tone of voice because I don't know what to do about you. I think I said that to my kids yesterday. Paul is saying, man, these Judaizers, they're coming after you. And, and, and their whole point, the Judaizers weren't trying to get these Galatian believers to love and follow Jesus. They were trying to get them to turn against Paul. Like that's why, that's why they were pursuing them. They wanted the, the, the Galatian believers to say, Paul is not teaching truth. He's a false, he's a false uh, prophet. And Paul is saying, I'm not telling you I want you to turn against the Judaizers. I'm telling you I want you to turn to Christ. I want you to follow Jesus. I don't care what you do with me. I don't care if you never hear from me or speak to me ever again. I want Jesus to be formed in you. And y'all, this may be the most important prayer. I think it is the most important prayer. And this is why. 
Do you know how many marriage conferences we would need if husbands and wives were allowing Christ to be formed in them? Zero. Why? Because when Christ is being formed in me and when Christ is being formed in Beth, there is not a better love for one another. We are trying to outserve one another. We are washing one another's feet. We are not fighting for power because that's not what Jesus does. He leads from people's feet. If Christ is being formed in our teenagers, do you know how many purity conferences we would need? Zero. Why? Because Christ is pure. And if his character is being formed in my teenage daughter, she's looking to be pure like her king. And what can happen is we can put our hope in marriage conferences and we can put our hope in purity things and we can leave there and we can be pure and our marriage can be better for about four weeks. Because we've taken this advice, but it's only been a surface fix. When Christ is being formed in me, it's not perfect I'm not telling you my marriage is perfect. I'm not telling you my teenage daughter's perfect. But when Christ is being formed and he is cultivating the chunks out of my life and I'm daily picking up the chunks, it changes everything. I believe if Christ is being formed in our children, we won't see little evangelists in our school. We'll see giant evangelists in our school sharing the gospel with their friends in kindergarten who says he can't do it three prayers I hope you wrote them down I hope you'll pray them I want to be a part of a church that is begging God to be over and in all we do. I want to be a part of a church that is going deep by remaining in Jesus. Maybe you haven't. Maybe this morning, um, you know, sometimes we, we do these things, we go back to, to the surface because that's all we know to do. Sometimes it's not even a conscious decision. Uh, sometimes we don't know that we're supposed to remain in Jesus. I'm convinced the Galatians didn't really know that. But it's serious. And maybe you know that you've, you know, there was a time where you experienced Jesus and it was awesome and he was changing your life and everybody could see it and now it's just, eh. Could it be that I've gotten consumed in distraction and gotten back to the surface and he's no longer plowing deep in my soul? 
If you want to come up here and pray when we sing the next few songs, use this uh, stage up here as an altar. You're welcome to do that and pray before the Lord. You can get friends. Hey, we're family here. Um, and families walk together. So if you need to grab somebody sitting next to you, you can do that. If you need to get me, Kirk, or a lady or something like that, you're welcome to do that as well. Maybe, uh, maybe you've been coming here and maybe you've heard all the messages and you've sat through several Sundays where Dustin's asked people to stand up if they want to trust the Lord and um, you haven't stood, but you know you need to. Um, maybe one of the things that's holding you up is, I don't know if I can do everything I'm supposed to do. Like, I don't know if I can live this Christian life. And I, I want to help you a little bit and tell you that you can't. Like, I'm going to go on and tell you, <laughs> um, the answer is no, you can't do it. And nobody's asking you to come over here to Jesus and make a decision and then get back over here to religion. Nobody's asking you to do that. What we're asking you to do is get over here to Jesus and he will begin to reveal things. And it, and it won't be this, um, the preacher looking over your shoulder making sure that you're you know, you're doing a set of rules that he's made up. It'll be a loving father that is revealing things that are at the root of why your life is the way it is. Uprooting those things, revealing them and saying, we're going to deal with this. You know, he's, he's probably not going to have you deal with everything that's under the surface tomorrow. He's probably going to reveal, reveal this thing and this thing. And then he'll help you with this thing, and then he'll help you with this thing. Because he's good. He's even better than John Deere. But this morning, if, you, if you've been battling that, and you've been thinking, man, I'm, the reason I haven't trusted the Lord, the reason I haven't stood up is because I don't know if I can do it. I just want to free you up and, and tell you it's, it's not our expectation for you to stand up and then give you a set of rules. It's our expectation to walk with you in a journey with Jesus and let him do in your life whatever he wants. And that's when it's awesome. This morning, if you want to trust the Lord, I want to give you a couple seconds to stand and we'll help you know what that means. I know this takes boldness and courage. Um, I know it's tough. I don't do it to embarrass you. Um, our walk with the Lord Jesus is a personal relationship, but it's not private. Um, it's public. Anybody want to trust the Lord this morning? Father, we come to you today, and I'm thankful that you call us to live in your freedom and not be bound in nonsense. Father, I know that you have revealed chunks in my life that have caused me to want to run because I would rather have the chunks 
than have to deal with them. And Father, I just, I just pray for every person in this room. I don't, I don't pray like as a group, as a, as a whole church. I pray for each individual that you would help us. Help us embrace and remain in your freedom. Help us live your word when it's not fun and we're not getting the warm and fuzzies. Help us live your word when it's ugly and when people don't get it. And help us allow your character to be formed in our souls. We confess, admit, embrace, acknowledge that you are always right and we rarely are. So we beg for your character to be formed in us. We pray this prayer uh, like Paul, I've been crucified with Christ. Will you Will you continue to crucify our flesh? And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Will you, will, will you show people that we're real? Will you, will you allow people to see that, man, that's not Dustin, that's not Beth, that's not uh, Ryland, that's not uh, Brian, that's, that's Jesus somehow living in that person that's all supernatural and it can't be done by us so we beg for you to do it we want what you want have your way in this the end of this gathering uh, I pray for a spirit of freedom to fall on us and allow us to do exactly whatever it is you want each of us to do in Jesus name Amen <laughs>